Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, welcome back to Holy Ship, everyone. We are so excited for today's episode. We have Danielle Bees, aka DJ Bees, as I know her, um, and we'll be talking about purity culture today. So Danielle is an Alba Festival 2021 Composition Fellow, an icon, Arts Transylvania Academy 2020 Composer in Residence, and a two-time American Prize semifinalist. Her music for the concert hall, film, and theater has been performed throughout the United States, the United Kingdom, and Europe. She has worked with notable ensembles such as Transient Canvas, the Hub New Music Ensemble, the RSNO Ensemble, and the Edinburgh Quartet, and collaborated with actors, directors, and writers alike. Danielle holds a Bachelor of Music from the Great Batch School of Music at Houghton College and a Master of Music from the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. And yeah, if you guys listen to her play you'll just understand how great she is and she leads worship at my church a ton so she's just awesome um and i love her so much so i'm so excited for today's conversation and that she actually wanted to be on it so yeah welcome thanks thanks so much for having me i also work with danielle oh yes Um, emma works with her her, i work with her yeah i'm i'm emma's work mom (laughs) i love it (laughs) i love it (laughs) yeah I was actually in DJ's apartment, and she was one of the first people I actually told about the podcast. So <laughs> I feel like she's an OG. <laughs> I feel so honored. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're talking about purity culture today. Would you say that you grew up in purity culture? I did, yeah. I would say probably more so within church. So not so much my household. I wouldn't say like my parents necessarily kind of held that view but it was more so definitely in like the church aspect and youth group and stuff I did grow up in a purity culture um where actually where actually did you grow up so I actually grew up in Yucca Valley California it's just very small middle of nowhere town I mean if anyone's ever heard of Joshua Tree National Park it's like 10 I have there yeah so desert straight up desert (laughs) (laughs) interesting I feel like I've only heard of like purity culture being like very prevalent in the Midwest and like Texas. So I'm intrigued to hear that it was like in California too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, the desert is honestly a very interesting place. (laughs) I feel like, I mean, I've never been to the Midwest, but I feel like we kind of have some of that, that vibe a little bit. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I I would say we probably have that vibe for sure. (laughs) How would you define purity culture that you experienced? How would I define it? Yeah, like what was it like? For me, it was very much just, I found it pretty toxic as I got older. So it was just this idea that your holiness and your purity was tied to Mm -hmm. your, like your sexuality, basically, Um, that you were only pure or only holy if you stayed a virgin until marriage. And that was just kind of the mindset of of purity culture. Like purity, when they talked about purity, it only had to do with sex. It didn't Mm -hmm. really have to do with any other part of holiness. It was primarily with sex from what I remember. Yeah. Do you feel like everyone around you held this viewpoint? 
That's a good question, and I don't really know the answer. I I remember it primarily within high school more than anything else, and definitely like the youth pastors and youth leaders kind of held that view, or at least tried to instill that view. And I'm not sure if my peers, like my friends, I. I don't remember how much we talked about it. I think it wasn't really until college when I started to talk to people I met there about it. And we were like, oh, wait, this is actually really kind of messed up, like the way that we were all yeah. raised. And honestly, like a lot of my friends from very different backgrounds, very different you know, places in the country had very similar experiences about being like, wait a second, this, this actually was really unhealthy. Did you yeah. go? Um, sorry, Lydia. Oh, you're, um, you're so good. Okay. Uh, what was your like high school experience like? Were you homeschooled? I was, yes. So okay. I was actually homeschooled all the way through from kindergarten through high school, so K through twelve. Oh wow! Okay, I think this is really interesting because Lydia, you were in public school, right? I was. I was. Yeah, and I was also homeschooled, and um, and I think that we both experienced a little bit of purity culture in different ways. W- would you say you experienced it in school, Lydia? Oh yes, one hundred percent. Okay, yeah, and and so did I in a in a sense, um, like within home within the homeschool community, but it was never like blatantly obvious to me. I kind of just was like, you know, whatever. Like I didn't really think too much about it, and then until it was like much later, where I was like, mm, that's interesting. So I like that we have like two sides of the spectrum, and like it kind of penetrates all. Um, different like social spheres which is yeah I would like to say like so I went to public school but the like area I grew up in like almost everyone was a Christian and like even if you weren't like you had that mentality like regardless like it was just kind of like the default nature was like I'll say like act like a Christian even though I mean right we didn't but you know like just like that kind of like vibe um but then most of my friends in public school actually went to youth group with me so I feel like I mean, maybe there's other kids at the school that were, like, totally against, like, it. But, like, I feel like it was kind of reinforced because I hung out with people from, like, my church. But, yeah. Yeah. This might take us a little bit off topic from, like, some of the questions we had prepared. But I'm curious to know what your different instances of, like, recognizing purity culture was in, like, high school or college or adult life. Um like if you can give me like one example, maybe we can see it play out in like the in our three different lives. Um, I think that would be really interesting. And Danielle, I think mm. you should go first. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. I think. Oh, it's really hard for me to pinpoint an exact moment for me. I mean, I remember when I kind of think back because when you were talking about, I can't remember now. But um, when I was just thinking of. When we were in high school, I think, Emma, you mentioned something about, like, you didn't really think much of it. And I think that's true. Like, when it's something that you're just kind of being taught or talked about and when you're that young, it's not necessarily something that you're going to think about. You're just going to be like, oh, great. And I remember the whole, like, purity ring thing of, like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, I want a purity ring. (laughs) So it shows I'm going to be, like, stay pure, like, you know, whatever. And, like, the Jonas Brothers were doing it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was just like, oh, like, I should do it. I did it. I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I did it. You know, it was it was a whole thing. Um, but I think it was maybe, I don't know, just as I got older and kind of understood more that 
sex was actually like not bad. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just this, you know, growing up, it was like this idea of sex is bad apart from it in marriage. But then it's like, but wait, why is it like bad before marriage, good within marriage? Like, wait, wait a second. So it's just kind of this negative connotation with it. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, so then if I like have sexual desires, does that mean that I'm being sinful because I like have that? And it's like, oh, wait, like as I kind of got older, I just recognized like, oh, no, like that's not what what God teaches uh, that Mm -hmm. like doesn't make any sense. And I think it was just like talking with friends and um, a lot of my friends are married now. So I get like a lot of, you know, insider stuff. So it's just like, I think speaking with them and, and just all of us kind of relaying like, Oh, like in the Christian world, like a lot of women feel like guilty or like sinful Mm -hmm. about having sexual desires. And why is that? Um, So I didn't really answer your question, Emma, because it's hard for me to kind of like pinpoint an exact moment um for me but I think it was just as I kind of got out of the bubble that I had been in growing up and went somewhere else where it wasn't necessarily like yeah you're in college but and I went to a Christian college but you weren't like talked to about like make sure you're staying pure guys like it wasn't you know like really talked about as much in college um so I think it was really there once I kind of got out of the bubble that I started to think about it more that's fair I think there's a lot um, that goes into purity culture as well. Like not just um, like not just don't have sex before marriage. Like that's not all that purity culture encompasses. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking a lot about um, the different like pressures that may be put on um, women, especially um, within like the purity culture realm. One specific example um, that I've been thinking about is like how we dress. Mm-hmm. And I think that the pendulum has really shifted within um, the few years um, from me being in high school to me now, um, where we're a little bit more like accepting of different styles of dress. But an example that I had when I was in high school was, look, I thought I was hot stuff, like really <laughs> hot stuff. And <laughs> my poor homeschool community I wore, I didn't even wear, like, really racy stuff. Like, I kind of just wore, like, short skirts, like, really short skirts. And, um, Did it we all? <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, that wasn't, um, that wasn't kind of, like, commonplace. And I had, like, kind of pure intentions. Like, I wasn't thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to wear all this because I want to, like, sleep with every homeschool guy in here. Like, I, I just like the way I look. And so I, you know, would wear that stuff. And I'll never forget, like, there were moms who made, like, assumptions about me being... I was essentially, like, the homeschool slut. I'm not going to say that they said that about me, but that was <laughs> that was the connotation. Um, just from, like, how I dressed and that I would, like, talk to guys. And um, so I think there's, like, that that pressure and um like I didn't have like a terribly scarring experience within it I just think that um that's that's something that could really mark a girl going forward for me I like understand now I'm like oh maybe I shouldn't have worn worn that or the moms were concerned about their boys like falling into sin or what have you but um at the same time I like wonder 
if there's more expectations for women than there are for men. Um, and so I can kind of see it both ways, but that was yeah. an example that I had growing up. Um, yeah. Lydia. I think kind of like, okay, one, I will get to my example because it's kind of funny, but kind of like depressing. But I think like to the point of like girls kind of dressing a certain way, even on like youth group trips we would take, like girls had to wear one pieces and guys were allowed to like, just be in their shorts and they were topless. You know what I mean? It's like, it just like assumes that like the girls had the responsibility to not tempt the boys, but it's like, they don't even talk about females being tempted at all, let alone that a guy could tempt a female. And so I think that always bothered me, but I didn't like, well, it didn't bother me until I was in like college. And I was like, what? That made no sense. sense. He looks good. Yeah. (laughs) Purity culture, like example, was I was hanging out with a bunch of girls from a youth group one time, and this one girl was talking about, like, you know, her and her boyfriend, they were making out, yada, yada, and she said she took her socks off just because she was getting too hot or whatever, and, like, her socks or whatever, which, like, whatever, like, they're socks, you know what I mean? She's not, like, <laughs> stripping completely. Yeah, yeah, you know the rule, socks on. Yeah, but, but apparently this is a rule, because this one girl was like, you took your socks off, and she was like, yeah. And she was like, she, I don't even remember what the exact comment she was. But she was like, well, don't you remember what, like, the youth pastor said? Like, you have to keep clothes on, like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, are you going to, like, tempt him? And she was like, with my foot? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And I, I, that was, like, the moment where I was like, there's something so wrong here. Like, the fact that this Those girl. are a thing. Okay. Yeah, but it's and like, again, yeah, is it my responsibility to not tempt a man with my socks? That's you the know, question. Like, like, why are you even looking down there? Like, if we're kissing, how are you looking at my feet? Like, I'm, I'm just, just, you know, well, there's a way. So, yeah, that was like the moment where I was like, I think we've gone wrong. Yeah, and kind of Lydia to sort of touch, sorry to just jump in, but like to sort of touch yeah. on what you said about the the kind of the double standards of like mm-hmm. yeah for women I got so I would get so annoyed and I think this was more when I worked at a Christian camp and it yeah. Would be like, yeah like women had to wear one pieces and girls had to wear one pieces but guys could be topless mm-hmm. and it was just this double standard of like wait a second why one yeah not recognizing that like women also like have sexual desires and find like yeah find men attractive and can also be tempted so you know that's what a whole topic but then there's also just putting this added pressure on women of if you you know if you're if a man looks at you lustfully it's your fault Mm -hmm. it must have been the way that you dressed as opposed to the fact that the man is also responsible for his actions yeah and you can see too like if especially in New York City you look on the street and you watch men and women will walk by. They could be wearing the most modest, like, head mm-hmm. to toe covered in whatever. Men will still look at them yeah. lustfully. Like, you can see it. And it's just, like, wait a second. Like, I mean, and I'm not against, like, the fact that women, yes, should be, you know, careful, I guess, of what they wear. But at the same time, it definitely affects our body image as well because mm-hmm. it's like, wait a second. Like, does this mean that I can't wear something that accentuates my curves? Does this mean that I can't yeah. accept that God made me a certain way and I should be, like, happy with that and mm-hmm. why why can't I wear something that makes me like you said Emma like makes me feel good about myself not in, like a provocative way but just, <laughs> but just in a way of like no I just want to look I just want to look yeah. at the case, you know and what um 
and what I'm wearing. So I, I definitely get like very frustrated with that kind of Mm -hmm. mindset of, wait a second, like all the pressure is put on women. And, you know, this was especially said too, that I would hear a lot of, you know, men are very visual. And so like you, you need to be careful because you don't want to make your brother stumble. And I'm like, well, yes, like Paul says that too, but still like, you know, there, I, I can't remember, but there was, there's something that I saw online somewhere of them pointing out the, um, you know, the passage where it talks about that if you look after, you know, someone with lustfully like pluck out your own eye, mm-hmm. like kind of thought process, like, why don't we talk about that? Like it literally takes yeah. all the responsibility off the man and puts it all on the woman completely. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has not, to this day, I don't think it's been fully taken away from that mindset. Definitely. I also think like to that point, yes, I think like almost all of the responsibility that's been put on the woman like for a long time. But then I also don't think like the opposite is true. Like I don't think it's like 100% guys either. Like I think it's a shared responsibility and like, like you were saying, like, we also should be cognizant of, like, what we're doing and how it could cause our brother's fall, but they should be doing the same thing, you know? We're all in this together, <laughs> so. Like, yeah, Emma singing High School Musical and doing the choreograph. Yeah, love it. Yeah, do you think, you kind of touched on this, but do you think what you were taught about sexuality and purity affects the way you view yourself and further the way you view your sexuality? I would say yes. And this is something that I have been thinking about for the past few years. I think like once I started to kind of realize what that culture was like, like the sort of toxicity of that culture and what it did to me and how I viewed my own sexuality and like sex um, of just being like, wait a second, you know, why, why should I feel guilty about like wanting to like once I'm married enjoy having sex with my husband like Mm -hmm. why should I feel guilty about that why is that weird and I think again it was partially because I have a lot of you know Christian friends who got married and so that was just like oh there's just kind of a different you just hear different stories and it's like a different Mm -hmm. layer there and you're like oh actually like this this is fine this is good yeah um so yeah I think for me I'm still working through it. And I think I've grown a lot in that aspect of being like, obviously I need to be careful with, you know, my sexual desires because I don't want to, you know, fall into sin. Mm -hmm. But there's that balance of being like, well, God created us as sexual beings and sex is actually a really beautiful thing. And it binds you together within the right context and like Mm -hmm. I look forward to that you know someday when when I can have that within the right context and I think something that I still that's still kind of like in the back of my mind is that I'm thinking well is it okay if I actually enjoy it Mm -hmm. like is that okay that you know I would find pleasure in it and it it is obviously like a very mysterious concept to me in a lot of like ways too um So I think that's something that I hope, you know, will change and like continue to grow. But I mean, I've heard just stories of other women too, of other Christian women, like just being so nervous about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, that's not how I think we should feel. So I'm kind of, I'm growing in it a lot. And I think I've come a long way from where I was, but definitely like the nature of how I was brought up within, again, I wouldn't say this is my parents, but within Mm -hmm like youth group and kind of the church culture, it 
definitely like put a negative connotation around it that I've kind of had to shake off. Yeah. That's been sort of challenging to figure out how to shake off. I think like, I mean, we've interviewed a lot of people for the podcast too, where they said like having sex in marriage was hard because all of a sudden, like mentally they were like, wait, I'm about to have sex, but like, I'm not supposed to have sex. Like they couldn't get out of their head that like sex is bad. Like you're not supposed to have sex. And it's like that like narrative that was like fed to them for so long. is like affecting them in marriage because they finally get there. And it's like, you can't all of a sudden just be like, turn it on and be like, yeah, like it's <laughs> <Yeah>. hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. What's the song? Like make me come alive and turn me on. Something like that. Just play that in the background. Right, yeah, that'll yeah. solve all of, all of your problems. The purity culture solved. Yes, just play this song, great. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think, honestly, for me, I feel like purity culture plays out, I mean, like, one, I think number one is shame in my life, where just, like, I would feel shameful if I even, like, thought about, like, sex or, like, anything related to sex, but then also, like, you know, when I was in relationships and things were more physical then like, I wanted to like hide, like I obviously still wanted to do it, but like, I didn't want to like tell anyone or like, I was like, if someone found out, you know what I mean? And then I was like trying to hide it from God, which is always so fun because you can't hide anything from him. Um, but you know, but like, I thought like, I was like, you know, if God finds out, then like, it's over for me. Like I'm risking my salvation. Um, which is not true. But then I also think like second, I think it still affects the way I like dress and like, cause last times I'll feel so confident in an outfit. But then as soon as I go outside, I'm like, what if a guy sees me in this? Like, and like my whole like mindset changes and it's like trying to like untrain yourself from like thinking like that. Cause lots of times like I'm showing like a sliver of my stomach, you know? And I'm like, <gasps> but then, yeah, it just like takes a while to like untrain yourself from like thinking like that for so long. Yeah. And you know, kind of something with that, that I have thought about too is when it comes to like how I dress or even just, you know, how I kind of look at myself Mm -hmm. when I am in a non-Christian environment. So when I'm with, you know, a bunch of people who aren't believers, I am actually far more comfortable Mm -hmm. with how I dress than when I'm surrounded by a room full of Christians. Yeah. Because when I'm walking out into a room full of non-believers, I don't feel like I'm about to get judged for what I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a room full of believers, I feel like I'm about to get judged. And there's something wrong with that. And I don't know if that's my mindset of how I've kind of viewed it, of being like, oh, like in a Christian site, like would they look at me weird that I'm wearing like a strapless like dress? Or would they look at me weird like if I'm wearing and I'm and it's actually modest. Like I'm not, you know, showing anything showing. But it's still like, well, I feel more free like in in a non Christian environment because I actually don't feel like I'm Mm -hmm. being judged. Yeah, and it's just, it's so, it's so odd, and I feel like it should be the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the expectations on women is probably, like, the biggest, the biggest burden in purity culture. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe it's really, I mean, <clears throat> influential in men, too. Um, I would love to talk with some guys about what they experience um, in the church and so far as purity, but I think that just the expectations that's placed on women is probably the biggest burden. Like we're the ones who are supposed to be driving a like purity. Um, 
And I think there are some redeeming aspects about like the concept of um, maybe the, like the original intent of like purity culture. Um, I think it's just like when, when it becomes like so much pressure, then it kind of morphs into something bad or yeah. not like genuine. And I think that's the biggest problem. And I think like, right, like I don't think anyone started out with like, you know what? Let's make like the sex talk something that's going to make girls hate their bodies and confuse them about sexuality later in life. Like, I don't think that was ever the goal. Like, I think they, yeah, they did meet, like mean it well, but like the way it was went about caused so much shame and like just so many other things I don't think they could have even imagined then. What's so interesting is that I, like, maybe I was in. A, a big purity culture environment. I mean, I was homeschooled in a very non-denominational conservative environment, but I just did not care like at yeah. all. <laughs> like I just went and did my own thing. I wore my own clothes. Um, and also like growing up a pastor's kid, I don't know, Lydia, if you also went through this, but in church, like starting from, um, like a young young age we were expected to wear certain things to church like I was expected mm-hmm. to wear a dress like I had to wear like nice shoes and have my hair done and um there's just this one time in middle school probably like I bought my first stilettos and you know I brought those to church because yeah. <laughs> like that was the only place I was strutting and um <laughs> and it was just like everybody would talk about it and like you know Emma she looks like you know it's just not not good like you know, hooker and like all these other things, but I, I just did not care. And I think that's what's kind of, that's why purity culture didn't really like shape me because I was, I was just trying to like look good Yeah. <laughs> yeah. for, I don't even know for who, like it was probably boys. It was probably for myself. It's probably just like a combination of it. But when, um, when you're with other people who are, um, like just constantly telling you that what you're doing is wrong or bad or causing people to sin, then I think that's a problem. But yeah. I was so isolated and so like just my own free little bird that nothing ever like directly affected me. So it's interesting hearing your your stories and like also like youth group stuff like that because I was never really a part of that. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I kind of like two comments that like one, I don't think I really experienced that as a pastor's daughter per se just because I feel like we went to very different churches mine was like a pretty big church and so I don't think anyone really knew who I was for the most part unless they like knew my dad like personally Personally? Um, I was like the president's kid oh yeah no see like lots of times like we had so many people and it was like a huge auditorium like like they yeah they had no idea who I was so like it wasn't like an issue what I was wearing I also as a kid would wear like I'll have an all blue den I'd wear like a blue poncho blue capris like I wasn't, like, the topic of conversation there, you know? Um, But, yeah, I also think, like, kind of what you're talking about with stilettos. I remember in high school or, like, even middle school when you would wear heels to school or, like, actually, you guys might not know what this is like. Um, But, like, I would wear heels to school or I would, like, dress up one day just because I was like, oh, yeah, I look cute, you know? But then people would be like, oh, like, what guy are you trying to impress? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, can I not just dress up for myself? Like, why does it have to be for a man? Yeah. Mm. Were you trying to impress a man, though? No. I just loved dressing business casual in high school, which, you know. Fair, fair. Whatever. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's definitely that kind of stigma too of like if mm -hmm. if a woman looks nice it's only to impress a man and it's yeah like well no like I just kind of want to look nice for the sake of mm -hmm. looking nice and like that's that's okay but also if I want to like walk around with a you know a big sweatshirt on and sneakers that's also should be acceptable you yeah. know like kind of either or um but yeah like Lydia kind of going back to what you were saying about the you know, kind of getting out of the mental headspace or, or like what we were talking about in terms of purity culture, like the trying to start it with the right intentions. And I think, you know, I agree with that. And I think that's true. I think the problem comes down to the narrative and how yeah. we've been telling the story because we've been telling the story so negatively mm -hmm. of like you were saying before, like sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, but in marriage it's okay. Mm -hmm. And just having that complete dichotomy as opposed to teaching it as and I'm not a parent so I can't say you know how I'm going to teach my children about this in the future but I think it would be a slightly better approach anyways to talk about it from the from the you know mindset that sex is actually a really beautiful good thing and you shouldn't mm -hmm. be scared of it and you shouldn't be afraid of it and you should be able to own that but it's it's at its best and it's good when it's within covenant marriage and mm -hmm. the reason for that is because of you know how it binds you together and how yeah. intimate it, it is and breaking that before like entering into that before that kind of covenantal mm -hmm. um thing is like having it before it could be fully what it should be mm -hmm. it's like it's like taking the apple off the tree before it's fully ripe and not being able to actually enjoy it for fully what it is yeah and so i think there's that but i think there's also the aspect that at least I don't know if this was both of your experiences too, but for me, and I don't know if this was ever explicitly said, but it was the idea that, you know, your virginity is something you can never get back. So once you lose it, then you've lost your purity completely. Yeah. And it was this idea that you can never get that purity back. And it's it was almost treating sexual sin as if it was the be-all, end-all. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Paul does say that yes, you know, when you, every other sin is you commit outside the body, but this one you commit, you know, inside it. Yeah. And it definitely has its own repercussions, but Jesus literally died for every single sin and mm -hmm. all of it is washed white as snow, no matter what it was. And so the idea that that kind of shame culture of if you do wind up falling into this and you do like say have sex before marriage it's not like your purity has to end there, you mm -hmm. know, like you can repent and the Lord can like actually, you know, wash that away. It's not going to be like easy. It's not going to be an easy process. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, yeah, it's changing the narrative of actually being like, well, no, sex is a good thing, but we want to have it in its right context. Um, and it's, I, I was thinking about this kind of earlier of, you know, with so many other types of like, there's no sin that's worse than another, right? You know, I think we can all kind of agree on that. But there's the idea that, you know, with with theft and stuff, your theft is never really a good idea. <laughs> like, it's yeah. never really a good thing to steal something from someone else. Whereas sex is like, sex is actually not bad. Sex is a good thing, but you want to have it in its proper context. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's just kind of been something that I've been thinking about. Yeah. What what do you think about um I'm gonna get more specific. 
do you feel like there's a grade of purity? Like, um, like things that you do that can make you less pure or more pure or like, what is your perspective on it now versus how you were taught? Like certain, like all sexual things make you impure if you do it. If you know what I'm saying, Lydia, you can help me kind of refine that. Yes, I know what you're saying. If you want. Um, but yeah, like, do you feel like there is a grade of a purity, if you will? I, that's such a good question. And again, I think it's my, I just still struggle with the word purity mm-hmm. because I struggle with the idea of it being connected to sexuality. Because for me, like, I want to flip it on its head and I want to be like, well, for me, purity, what I want it to mean is is like holiness with the Lord. And that's like mm-hmm. my entire life, how I approach my whole life, not just mm-hmm. my sexuality, but the purity of heart, purity of intention, purity of, mm-hmm. you know, word and mouth. And I can confidently say I'm not a pure person in all of those aspects. I may be a virgin, but I'm not a pure person in terms of mm-hmm. pure of heart, pure of mind, pure, you know, every time that I've said, you know, I, I am very sinful, you know, I, I can't say that I'm pure in that in that aspect. So I struggle, I guess, with the definition that we've, you know, uh, assigned to purity that, you know, we've been talking about. But in terms of like, if we're thinking about it in the sexual sense of the graded scale, I think this is something that we would talk about in youth group too, of like, how far is too far? Mm -hmm. Where is the line? Is it, you know, like this? Is it is it holding hands? Because, you know, some couples are like, oh, yeah. hands. is it kissing? Like, should you not kiss until your wedding day? You know, very, a lot of people have very different yeah. and passionate views about these types of things. And mm-hmm. for me, I, I mean, where in the Bible does it say what, what, what's the line? The Bible mm-hmm. doesn't say, <laughs> you know, really, it doesn't give you like, well, you know, this far is too far. And then, you know, go back. But it, there's also the question of, how far can I go before I'm really sinning? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it comes down to personal conviction because I think some people can, you know, handle more than others, I guess. Like, I yeah. mean, so my love language is touch. So my anticipation is I might have to have some more boundaries than yeah. a normal person who doesn't have, who that's not their their love language. And so I have to be more careful because it's like, well, okay, like that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I show my love and how I want to receive love. Um, but I'm also like, no, I don't think it's wrong to kiss someone before you get married mm-hmm. to them. And I think that actually knowing that you're sexually attracted to somebody is very important. Yeah, I think that's a very strong thing when it comes to romantic relationships and marriage. Um, so I think kind of, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, Emma, but sort of to answer your Fine. question is that I just think it's like a, a personal mm-hmm conviction Mm -hmm. with the Lord of, you know, because I've had friends who their boundaries were, I I do think that some boundaries might be going too far. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think that it's ever wise to put yourself in a position where you can be highly tempted Mm -hmm. um, because it just makes it that much harder. So I think you should be definitely wise um, with that. But I mean, I think sexual sin encompasses so much, you know, it encompasses Um, It encompasses not just actual physical relations, but it encompasses porn and Mm -hmm. masturbation and thinking, you know, just like so many different things that it can encompass. Um, Yeah. 
So I think there probably is a grade, but I think the grade comes down to like more our cultural view of it and less of a biblical view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you said it best about like being pure of heart and mind and like body and Mm -hmm. it's, it's different for, you know, each person depending on their, their boundaries and their needs for a certain one. Sorry, Lydia, I cut you off. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think it's like a little dangerous to think about it in kind of like a scale because, I mean, yes, I do think like, I mean, some people might be more pure than others, but I think it's dangerous when you like put everyone side by side versus like, I think like DJ was saying, it's like a very personal, it's like with you and God, like what your relationship, like what your relationship is like with God, like how you're chasing like him. Like, you know, I think it's like, a personal thing. I don't think that's always seen externally necessarily. I think it should be like an outpouring, like when you are pure, but yeah, I think it's a very like personal thing. So I think it's dangerous when you put it on like a scale of like, Oh, he's this pure, but she's this pure. And like, you don't really like, yeah, I think it becomes kind of like hierarchical if that's a word. Um, and it's like, yeah, I think it's a little dangerous and could easily lead to like a shame narrative once again. And like, you know, so Well, Lydia, do you have another question? Because I've asked all mine. Yeah. My one question is, do you still hold aspects of purity and or modesty as valuable in your life? Like, do you like, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I guess I asked my question. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a good question. I would say yes. You know, I do. I, I still believe that it is a beautiful thing to, Mm -hmm. to wait until marriage um, I don't think that's necessarily something that I owe my future husband. I think it's something that I owe my the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's to me, it's more what does my relationship with the Lord look like and how can I honor that in my relationship with, you know, my whoever I'm dating or my future spouse. So I do think it's definitely important in that sense because – I think that it's just going to be far more beautiful within marriage mm-hmm. if, if the, you know, you wait until God's intent. So I do yeah. hold that aspect of, I, I, I still believe that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I still am reluctant to use the word purity, but like, I, I do think that's important. And with modesty, yeah. I, again, like with the word itself have negative connotations, but with the concept of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's, a mixture of honoring others mm-hmm. because I don't want to make someone stumble, of course, yeah. mm-hmm. but also honoring myself and what, you know, what do I feel comfortable wearing and do I feel convicted from the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit that if something I'm, something that I'm wearing might be less modest than I should be wearing it or can I wear something that you know, accentuates my curves and feel Mm -hmm. good about that and feel confident about that and actually like that I look good and I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm okay with looking good and, you know, approaching that. So I, I do think that both concepts at their core, at their Mm -hmm. purest, if I'm allowed to use that word, at their purest core are good Mm -hmm. and are something that should be valued but I think that as humans tend to do, we distort and we make something into more than it is. And I think mm-hmm. we've kind of made it more negative. But yeah, for me, I, I do believe in dressing well, um, whatever that 
means. And yeah. stilettos in church. Yeah, stilettos in church, you know, spaghetti straps at work, you know, the whole <laughs> the, the whole spectrum, you know, definitely going to go for that. But like, you know, I, I like a good tankini or like a, a good bikini, like high-waisted bikini. You know, I think it's fine. Um, I mean, I'm personally a one-piece wonder girl. Like, And you pull it off well. Thank there, you. Like Thank really you. Beautiful one-pieces. You know, I'm not shaming any woman who wants to wear one-piece or... Or a wetsuit. Or wetsuit. I would have to, I mean, yo, I'm from Southern California. I've definitely worn my fair share of wetsuits. Like, it's just, you know how you do much it. Much comfier. Yeah. 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 I think, like, for me, I do still value, like, modesty, like, to some extent. Like, I think, like you said, kind of, like, the concept of it. But, like, lots of times I'll, like, put something on. I'm like, what are my intentions of wearing this? You know, like, is it to, like, attract a guy? Or is it, like, because I feel good in it? I feel like that's kind of how I judge it. Then, like, with purity, I mean, I've talked about this, like, a lot on the podcast, but, and, like, what's why I started it, because I went on this, like, long journey where I was, like, questioning everything and, like, is sex good? What even is sex? Like, all this stuff. And I feel like the longer I researched it, like, the more conservative my boundaries became. And I think, yeah, like, as I chased, like, my relationship with the Lord, like, more and, like, pursued that further, I actually, like... I would say, like, had appreciation for, like, purity and, like, what Jesus says it is, not necessarily what <laughs> purity culture has said it is, but, yeah. I think there are some aspects of purity culture that are good, at least for me. Like, I was thinking about the whole modesty and dress situation and um, and just, like, reflecting back on my own experience. When I had people that I didn't, like, trust like other moms like tell my mom something or mm-hmm. or um other people in the church tell my parents something about the way I dress like that wasn't really helpful for me I kind of just wanted to do it more and I was like yeah. okay cool I'm getting attention and like you know that's great because I love attention or at least did when I was that age and um I think something that's really important is having like some sort of spiritual mentor or mm-hmm. um someone that you trust and like for me I love my parents and um my I think my my parents told me like maybe once or twice that the heels were just like no like just Emma trust me you're not as like hot in them as you think you are and um and then they and then they dropped it and I I didn't like push back against them I kind of like pushed back against like other people who just came at it at a wrong angle and like I didn't trust them they weren't my spiritual mentors like what do they know and I think my parents had a good approach on that. And so, like, if purity culture could come from people that we trust that are our spiritual leaders or family or something like that, um, maybe maybe it could change our viewpoint on um, on some of these issues. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's why, like, it comes down to like people when they like confront you even about like your outfit or whatever like if it's out of respect and out of love you know like your parents obviously weren't doing that to like judge you they like were doing it out of love and like they respected you and that's why they were telling you that and I think that's also how we should approach that with our like friends and like people in our communities but yeah yeah love doesn't always mean agreement Mm -hmm. or acceptance 
Well, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode on purity culture. We are so interested to hear what um, your thoughts are on purity and what your experiences have been. So we'll definitely make an Instagram Q&A for this, but feel free to DM us any questions or concerns you have, or if you just want to share your experience with purity culture, we would love to hear that and process that with you. So yeah, if you want to stay up to date, you can follow us on Instagram at theholyship.podcast. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can either DM us or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. We're so excited that you got to listen with us and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. So we just hope you have the best week ever.